Hello. And welcome. My name is Luke Job. My name is Thorin George. My name is Raven Walker. My name is Jack Dean. And this is Modular. The podcast where we take you through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Hey, that's right, Thorin, and you sound a little different today. These are the pre-written stories made by the folks who made up Dungeons & Dragons. We didn't write them, but we're here to run them for you. And why would we do that? Well, Jack, maybe you're a DM who is thinking about running a particular campaign, and you want to get a feel for how it plays out. Maybe you're a player who has already been in this particular campaign, and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you're our fourth host, and you're not here today, so people are doing uh, funny voices for your intro. But don't worry, you'll see Thorne soon enough. Oh, and you should be warned. Each of our episodes will take on a part of these pre-written adventures. That means there are major spoilers for the key plot points of each story we are running. And right now, we are running Horde of the Dragon Queen. So if you don't want spoilers, you should leave now. And wait, there is one other warning we should offer them. That's right, Raven. Modular is not a podcast for children. It contains explicit language as well as adult themes like sex, alcohol, drug use, violence, and gratuitous violence. So please be aware of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. (laughs) Without further ado, welcome to Modular. And our session zero of Horde of the Dragon Queen. As you just heard in our intro, we do have two new cast members. We are missing uh, one Thorin George today. That's okay. We'll see him soon enough. Um, he's just a slave to the grind. He's at work, and you got to do what you got to do. So we have Raven Walker here. We have Jack Dean here, and you might be thinking, who the hell are these two people encroaching on my good duo podcast? Well, our duo has turned to a quattro. <laughs> And I would like to introduce you to these two. Um, so, Raven, who are you? What do you do? Like, like, what's up? What is? Who is this person, Raven Walker? Well, I currently inhabit the physical form of a five foot three, blonde, uh, lesbian. So that's who I am. Uh, I adjunct part time at Appalachian State University, so I teach a bunch of college students about communication. And, you know, all that good stuff. But I'm about to work for a social media company and help people get their social media presence together. So that's my that's my current uh, job, what I do. And I play D&D and video games for fun, so. Hell yeah. Um, we're definitely going to use your, your D&D prowess. We're also going to use your social media prowess. Um, Jack, who are you? Like, what, what are, what is Jack Dean? I mean, who who are any of us, really? I mean, that's that's the real question. Uh, but in a more real mm. sense, uh, I'm Jack. Uh, I'm a marketing executive uh, who lives in, in the smoky Victorian streets of London, uh, where I was born. Um, 
yeah, I uh, in my spare time I also uh, I also like playing D and D and other tabletop RPGs, mostly ones that involve constructing some sort of narrative because I also like to write. I'm a bit of a writer, uh, and I love taking a qu- quick old dip in the Thames. Mm, of course, of course. So, Raven, how do you how do you know me? How do you know me and Thorin? Well, um, in the year of 2015, I was so blessed and highly favored to have a legendary Luke Job as my mentor in the Watauga Residential College, and that's where Thorin happened to be. So that's how I met the boys and became good friends with them. So that's yeah. Yeah. College. Ah. And and J- Jack, how do you know? And and I'll let our listeners know. Jack and Raven don't really know each other very well, but they're gonna obviously grow very close as they fight side by side in the streets of our imagination. Um so, Jack, how do you know me and how do you know Thorin? Well, my partner, Hannah, uh, went, uh, did a study abroad session in uh, Boone, North Carolina, and met uh, you two lovely people, uh, and I was not there for that. And then she, she, came back, uh, she came back from there, and I spent the next four years uh, saying funny things, and each time I did, which was, that's so great, Thorin, uh, Thorin slash Luke said something exactly similar, except better. <laughs> Uh, and then eventually, uh, I was uh, I was told that you guys were doing uh, a podcast uh, a podcast with D and D, and I started salivating at the mouth and chomping at the bit, going, "I must get in on this!" Uh, and uh, and she uh, she made the introductions, and that was our meet. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've actually uh, Raven and Thorn and I have spent a lot of time together in person as as we went to college together. Jack uh, has not ever met any of us in person. But Jack has clone, uh, clone, uh, grown close to myself and Thorin, uh, just over the interwebs, and we've we've played some other D and D together. had had a lot of fun with the the hunt for the Thessal Hydra, yeah, uh, the Stranger Things module, and so now we're here to run Horde of the Dragon Queen for you. Um, well, we're not running it; Thorin's running it. Um, but before we get into that. Raven, how long have you been playing D&D, and what's what's your background with Officially, it? Officially, like, three years now. I tried to play once a long time ago, and it did not go to plan. Um, just did not keep going to the sessions. The whole campaign just kind of fell apart, essentially. As as so many do. As so many do. And when I, st- I actually worked for the University Writing Center, helping people learn how to write. Um, and there was a guy that worked there, and he was a DM. So he got a group of us together, and I played with my coworkers, and... It was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. And Jack, what about you? Yeah, kind of similar. I mean, um, I've I've been a big fan of D and D, but much like many fans of D and D, haven't had uh, uh, throughout my life haven't had the, the 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 groups to make playing work. So I've I've been a I've I probably averaged one one minor session uh, every two years since I was fourteen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but quite recently, in the last couple of years. I played a couple. Uh, I DM a game for uh, some friends that we do. We try and do every Thursday. Uh, and my qualifications is that I'm the only one who knows anything about D and D, which isn't as <laughs> I, I found enough to make you a good DM. So there's been a lot of learning on the way, um, which is why I'm very excited to play this. This is probably the first time I've been part of a of an actual campaign rather than any one shots. Um, so yeah, Hell I'm very yeah. happy to be a part of that. So you're like you're like a brand new player. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, in, uh, interestingly is uh, is seeing it on the comp- other side. 
Uh, so there will be times when I'm asking you questions uh, about you know death saves and things like that because uh, I don't know what to do from yeah. that uh, from yeah, that side, absolutely. Um, which is and, interesting. And Raven, are you have you been more in the DM seat or the player seat? Oh no, no DMing on my part. I've just been playing. I'm here right, for the good right. ride. All right, so <laughs> we got we got the polar opposites uh, with Jack being the forever DM and, and Raver, yeah. Raven never having done it. I've done both. Um, and I'm excited to be a player in this. I'm excited for Thorin to DM. Uh, those of you who listen to our first season, we, me and Thorin are very different DMs. But it's it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. Thorin is much better about lore. Uh, his worlds feel much more lived in than mine do. And generally, he's just less funny than me. So, you know, <laughs> take it take it how you will. Um Let's so let's talk a little bit about what we're running. So we ran Dragon of Icefire Peak, and we've already talked uh, at length that that story's not really over, but we're not coming back to it right away either. So we are going to be running two campaigns back-to-back, and they're called Horde of the Dragon Queen and then The Rise of Tiamat. And Wizards of the Coast has even re-released them in a fatter book uh, called The Tyranny of Dragons because they, it's one is the direct sequel of the other. And so... We're running Horde of the Dragon Queen now. Once that ends, it won't be a similar ending to what we just experienced with Dragon of Icefire Peak. It's not the finale. It's like a mid-season finale. Like I know um, Breaking Bad would always do that. They would always have a mid-season finale. And so we'll have the same situation with these two campaigns. I don't know much about it. Uh, Jack, I don't think, knows much about it. And Raven doesn't know much about it. We have run... Uh, a few games of it already. We've we've got a few sessions under the belt. So generally, if you like cults, you're going to be into this. If you like dragons, you're going to be into this. And if you like um, heavier stakes, bigger stakes than Dragon of Icefire Peak, you know that that campaign was one town was in danger from one dragon. And I think this is more like one country is in danger of one army of dragons. So no pressure. No pressure for us, um, but we've, we're going to have it a lot tougher than, than Bradley Copper did. So uh, let's talk briefly, um, and anybody can jump in here. We ran a sound test that was a one-shot for Horde of the Dragon Queen. And so one of the biggest um, critiques of this campaign is that the opening is super fucking hard and that people die in it all the time. And so Thorin, even though the, the module is supposed to open at level one, he wanted to get us to level three. So we, we're starting it at level three, keeping ourselves alive that way. And so we ran this one shot as, as Jack and Raven's sound test. And yeah, what, what do we do in that, y'all? So um, we escorted a kind, well, not kind, well, a man escorted us to through Iriabor into the was it the sunset or sunset mountains and we there were reports of cult-like activity in the area so we were sent to um by braun the city lord to see what was happening to see what was up in the mountains um but we did run into some trouble along the way yeah, that's right. We uh, we were we were robbed by a person we were we were sharing some stew with. Uh, we were attacked by some dogs and other and other sort of banditry. Um, we 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 got it in the neck a couple of times as well, as well. Uh, we were on death's door. 
Yeah, I almost died. I was like perma death was one yeah. roll away. It was uh, uh, it was it was quite intense uh, considering the stakes were quite low. There was like four people on the crossbow, um, but no, mm-hmm. it was good. Uh, and then we we managed to make it into the uh, the temple um, and fight uh, and fight a, uh, a was it it was a dragonborn that's Reptidius, right? Yeah, dragonborn sorcerer and. It was weird. We didn't really know what was going on with him. He had some people under mind control, and he about killed us all. Like, I was down, Jack's character was down, and Raven's character had, like, 4 HP left. And then the old man that we were traveling with snuck up behind this dude and fucking slit his throat. And we were like, oh, cool, like, the old man is kind of helpful. And then, of course, the old man ripped off his face to reveal a different face, he admitted to us that for some reason he was actually the head of the cult. He stole a mask and he fucking disappeared. Um, and we survived it and it got us to level three. And when we went back to town, the, the Lord Braun kind of said, okay, now you need to go to this town greenest. And some guy named uh, Leosin Erlenthar, he's a monk, he wanted us to come there. And so when you see us in our next session, you'll see that we're headed to Greenest and we're, um, yeah, we're going to see what kind of trouble we get into. It's, uh, it's, it's worth noting as well that in, within that one shot, we met for the first time. So within the fiction of when you're joining us, um, we haven't known each other for that long. So you're, you get to be part of that ride as well. We don't have, you know, 20 years of us being the best of pals. It's uh, sort of th- uh, adventurers uh, thrown together is interesting absolutely yeah so you're gonna watch definitely watch our relationships unfold and um you know without risking too much of spoilers our first few sessions are combat heavy and you don't really get to know our characters as well as we might like so why don't we go ahead and talk about them and divulge as much backstory on who we're playing uh, as possible so jack you want to start us off with that yeah, of course. Uh, so I will be playing the young 24-year-old uh, half-elf, Locke Dangerfield, uh, who is a noble from uh, Waterdeep. Uh, this is a, if for, I'm sure most people listening to this know, uh, know where that is, but for those who don't, it's uh, kind of a, a port-side city of uh, scum and villainy, but also uh, you can throw a dart and you'll probably hit a nobleman. There's like 73 different noble families there of varying... Um, uh, uh, big, big city, rich city. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which which really appealed to me for Locke because I wanted him to be a nobleman, but not one that grew up with it being like with that being part of him. I, I don't want him to be like a duke's son who was sort of very high and mighty. I wanted him to be like very aware that his class doesn't actually mean that much and that he's not that special. Um, mm. for, uh, so in terms of class, he's an archfey warlock. Um, with with background with my characters, I like to have a few like notes but try and keep it a little bit nebulous just so I can add bits if I think it's sort of narratively thematic for the campaign. I like the campaign to inform a little bit about the backstory if that makes sense. Um, so I can add around. But that being said, um, for one of the things I uh, that inspired me for Locke was a kind of combination of uh, Varys from Game of Thrones, that sort of a political schema but doing it for the right for what he believes to be the right reasons. Um, despite being quite shifty, uh, and if you cross that with Hal from Hal's Moving Castle, that was kind of the uh, the character oh, yeah. I was going for. So I, I kind of uh, 
Locke is uh, someone who's on on his journey is trying to discover what he like what he personally believes whether people should be governed or whether uh, whether for better or worse he should he should aid sovereignty or whether he should rail against that and try and help people as people and try and be a bit more um, a bit more of an anarchist with it uh, and through that all he's uh, deeply in love with the uh, the archfey who granted him his powers in a sort of unspecified deal that I uh, will hopefully uh, come up in gameplay hell yeah yeah it'll get fleshed out okay so so two questions and maybe Raven has questions about Locke too but one on the Varus side is he bald no, no. Uh, he's he he looks he looks very average. He's got like um his hair is just a sort of like a muddy brown like most other people. He's not uh, he's not unattractive. But he's not particularly handsome. Uh, so that was that was my second question because Hal in Hal's Moving Castle is like this fucking stud hmm. who's like attached to his looks and like you know cries when he accidentally dyes his hair orange. Yeah. So so he's not he's not a total stud. No, it's more it's. Locke would love to do that if he if he was more into the sort of leisure side of being a nobleman. He would dress like um, like Hal. He would dress like um, Lando Calrissian in Solo. If anyone's seen that with those like beautiful oh, yeah. outfits, um, mm-hmm. but because he's uh, because he's sort of adventuring and traveling from place to place, trying to both politically and, uh, and sort of in an adventure capacity help people. Um, he's he's orchestrated his entire outfit to be unremarkable uh he, he looks okay. wealthy but not ostentatious he's not there's nothing about him that would set him apart um which is part of why he's a warlock is that he can if any, if anyone looks at him they'll be, see just a regular person and they won't think there's too much but underneath there's this sort of brimming this power and political scheming hell yeah and um if you're willing to divulge what's his uh alignment he's neutral good um okay which I thought was uh, the 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 best side for that, and it sort of reflects his uh, sort of um, his uh, this sort of rest, uh, this what he's wrestling with in terms of his philosophy about whether he believes in the rule of law and that people should be governed, or whether he believes in or more of a chaotic good. Exactly. Hell yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, Raven, you got any questions? You know, no. I was going to ask if he was bald. Um, does he have eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he has eyebrows again. He look uh, just uh, if you imagine fully normal looking. Yeah, guy. if you imagine your most average, uh, average looking half elf, that's him. He's got right. pains to make him look as no- as average as possible. He's no Bradley Copper. No. All right. Uh, so Raven, what what about your character? Who are you playing? All right. So Annie Oakleaf, uh, a pun on the name Annie Oakley. If you all are familiar with the sharpshooter from the days of the old <laughs> west. Um, she is a half elf, uh, swashbuckler rogue. Um, part she used to be part previously of the Painted Ladies, which was a performing swordsman troupe that her and mom started. But her mom died, and then things kind of just went downhill oh, from shit. there. She still okay. has some contact. She's not too upset about her mother's death. She just wants revenge. That's her main oh, drive. Oh, so her mom um, didn't just die. Her mom got murdered. Her mom was killed, Ooh. and maybe potentially it might run into some cultists that had oh, done it. So, shit. you know, that's open for that's open for interpretation with Thorin. He can have fun okay. with that. Um so that's the inspiration for her. She is, you know, not afraid of a fight. She doesn't really back down and she loves to have a good time. Um you'll see in the first few sessions. She she's not shy about fighting. Oh yeah. Um 
Yeah. So, so but, the painted ladies, did they fight or was it just like theater? So it was like the theater aspect was a cover for the fact that they were paid to do jobs. Oh, shit. Um, so they would come into a town, you know, go to the docks or where there was a lot of bars or the town square and do swordsmanship performance. And that's why Annie is so good with her sword. She has had a lot of practice from too young of an age and they would just go and perform and under the table get told jobs to do. Um, go kill this guy, go murder this person, but make it look like an accident. And so that's what they did. Okay. Um, under the guise of being performers. Cool. So that's why she's a little charismatic. She's got charisma. She's a performer at heart, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm getting, it's, it sounds like a, a cross between Annie Oakley and Arya Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Those, those good, like, you know, roguish don't trust her she she's she's got a mind of her own you don't know what she might do uh, um yeah nice nice she, that's her personality and then uh you mind telling us her alignment oh she is chaotic good okay. um at her heart she wants to do what's best for everyone but she just can't hold herself back sometimes so her actions can be a little impulsive yeah yeah she can be impulsive okay but shoot shoot first and ask questions later yeah okay cool cool and if it's if it if it doesn't divulge uh too much about your sort of characterization uh considering her checkered past with with the painted ladies and then going alone how is she now feeling about joining up with another group and you know she's not too upset over it the painted ladies ended on good terms the only reason they shut the practice down was that they were all kind of saddened by the death of the matriarch figure, um, her mm. mother, who her name was Loretta. And she has an aunt, some other family members, but there is no true home for her. She just kind of goes wherever she needs to be. Um, she still lives that very much like, you know, traveling troop lifestyle. So joining another group was the only th option for her, really. Um, right. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I am playing... Uh, a very, who I would consider interesting, I would hope he's interesting, uh, character. His <laughs> name is Votoroy Shans, and I'm going to be doing a, a thick Russian accent if I can help it. Um, he is an ASMR, which is uh, a half angelic, half humanoid person. So his, his mom was an angel of Tyr, who is the god of justice in Dungeons and Dragons. And his dad was a human uh, cobbler and, and shoe salesman. And so before he was born, his mom was, um, there's, uh, so like a hundred years, a hundred and something years ago, before our story, uh, there, there's the city Neverwinter, which Bradley Copper was from. Uh, there was a plague called the Wailing Death, and all these people died, and, and it's the it's the plot of a D and D story called Neverwinter Nights. And his mother was sent to go to Neverwinter and help heal people, but she did a terrible job. She failed. Lots of people died. Um, she then met, uh, you know, some fifty years later, probably met Votoroy's dad. They had him, and he without necessarily being religious, was imbued with this holy power of the god Tyr. And so he feels he has a lot of guilt for something he never had anything to do with, 
his mother's failure. And so he feels that his he's a divine soul sorcerer, um, that his sorcery, his sorcerous origin is directly tied to all those people that died in Neverwinter. And so he kind of has just made a life of being a physician and a healer. And so his whole thing is, you know, he doesn't really want to be an adventurer, more so he just wants to help keep people alive. So I'm going to be the resident healer of our group. Um, and, you know, usually in D&D you would pick like a paladin or a cleric to be your healer. But I thought I could make a really fun, interesting healer using the divine souls, divine soul sorcerer. So he's also super average looking dude. He's about 40 years old. He's not really good looking or charismatic. And charisma is usually what sorcerers use to cast spells. But Thorin has let me tweak the rules and I'm going to be a constitution based caster. So that means that I'm going to use an entirely different ability score to cast spells than what a sorcerer would normally do. And I think I personally kind of have a philosophy that sorcerers should be constitution casters because they have blood magic, right? They don't learn spells. They they just mm. are inherently magical. And so that feels like it would come from your constitution, not your charisma. Plus, D&D 5e has warlocks, bards, and paladins also use charisma. It just feels like too much. So I was like, you know, I want to build mm. this constitution caster. And so I'm actually very uncharismatic i'm like kind of going to play into the comedic trope of being a fish out of water not really understanding social cues um in our in our first uh in our sound test that y'all aren't going to hear i i mixed beer and wine and decided to to you know kind of spin them together to drink because i didn't know any better so votoroy is definitely kind of just known his whole life like medicine his dad would go around and sell shoes to people and he would come with with his dad and just you know be a door-to-door doctor essentially and he would always work for free definitely believes in medicaid for all and just just heal people and that's all he knows he knows you know he's got great bedside manner but otherwise like talking to people in a bar super unfamiliar for him so i think he's gonna be a fun character to play and um yeah you y'all got any questions now, uh, did your dad work at Fantasy Football? Um, yes <laughs> and no. Uh, he tried to make a shoe out, you know, he was going to call it a puma, but it was made out of a puma, and he got mauled to death. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, Vatoroy, I did say Vatoroy's dad has died, but he died of old age. He was not mauled to death by a puma. He died what he loved doing. Making them shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in terms of your choice for tier, for, so personally, are you... Uh, there, there's so much me- uh, there's so much uh, media on the different mm-hmm. gods and the different settings that uh, in times where I try to play a cleric uh, or friends of mine have played clerics, they found it difficult to pick one because they just don't know how they are. What, what, what was the sort of process for you picking tier as the uh, one? So back to this Neverwinter Nights story. He's kind of born from that. So Helm is the god of protection mm-hmm. and Tyr is the god of justice. And in Neverwinter Nights, Helm was like the big god. But it actually turned out that Helmite clerics were accidentally spreading the plague via giving out blessings of holy water. And so I couldn't do it from Helm because it was just like too much of a disaster. So what I thought of was tears about justice and the plague was created by a cult. And 
essentially like if there's no justice in something when it's unnatural, right? So like this unnatural plague is killing innocent people, killing poor people at a higher rate than than rich people. Um, so it was a very unjust, you know, sort of disease. So I thought the God of justice trying to fight back against it made sense. And now we're back into a world uh, or into a story where there's a cult. And this cult is going to have a disproportionate effect on the weakest in society, the poorest in society. And so I, I think, you know, using justice as that like penultimate or not penultimate, that that like number one thing in Votoroy's mind will make it easier to turn a physician into a badass spellcasting fighter kind of guy right because like yeah if i was the god of if it was the god of just you know kindness it would be pretty tough to make him a believable character that's willing to go out and fight cultists but if his ultimate goal is to heal people through the the means of justice then it's like this cult is an inherently unjust thing and so to fight against that i'm gonna do what i do best and heal my friends and fuck up my enemies (laughs) so yeah Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Very cool. So that's our party. Uh, our DM, Thorin, uh, not here to ask us anything else about ourselves, but we're ex- we're super excited. It's going to be, you know, another, obviously it's in Faerun, high fantasy setting. This does take place a year before, uh, or a little bit more than a year before Bradley Copper's story, for those of you who followed the Dragon of Icefire Peak. So it's a prequel in some way. You know that we're not going to fail. Uh, whether that be because we're badass or because Thorin wills it to be so. Um, Hmm. We are going to save the world, hopefully. And, yeah, we're excited to fight some dragons and excited to have Jack and Raven here as part of the team. And y'all will see more of them, hopefully, on our Twitter, on our Facebook, on our TikTok, etc., etc. But until next time, we are so excited to bring you this show. And thank you for listening to Modular. Modular is Raven Walker as Annie Oakleaf, Jack Dean as Locke Dangerfield, Luke Job as Votoroy Shans, and Thorin George as RDM. The story you heard today, as well as 99% of the characters, were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Horde of the Dragon Queen. Holly Lyons is our fantastic editor. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to music, and you can find his website link in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter, at ModThePod, Join our private Facebook group at the Modular Podcast Fan Club. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, YouTube, all at the Modular Podcast. Here's a quick shout-out to at WedNightGame, at OldGitsAndDragons, and at DragonsDuel. They all follow us on Twitter. And if you want a shout-out like them, maybe you should follow us on Twitter, too. Thank you so much for listening today. We are so excited for this new season uh, next week you'll hear the first episode and it's just going to be an absolute blast. We're excited to have Jack. We're excited to have Raven. 
and um, it's going to be high-octane action and adventure. We can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, thank you for listening to Modular.